Talk Radio 96.7. Let's talk a little bit of Thursday night sports in the Ozone. The Ozone tonight brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cold, hard cash. Let's do it, Ronnie O. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe here in the Ozone. We're talking sports, and we want you to join in. The number is 682 1430. That's 682-1430. Or if you're technologically inclined, it's ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. Well, I guess the big news of the day, Coach Joe, is that Major League Baseball has come to an agreement between the players and ownership. And a couple of things that came out of that is the National League is now going to have the designated hitter, so we'll have the same rule in both leagues. And I'm glad to see that. I think the game needs more offense, and that that should generate more offense. And I know a lot of people don't like it, the traditionalists, and and I'm more of a traditionalist, but I hate to see the pitcher go up there and wave three times and sit down. I've never liked that. So I I like to see that. And they're also going to have a 45-day window to implement uh, some new rules, possibly a pitch clock, band shifts. I'd like to see that in larger bases. Now, the larger bases, oh, also decals on uniforms and on helmets for advertising. Now, I don't think the players should have had any input into that. That that should have been something the owners could have done without their approval, in my estimation. But let's talk about these designated hitter in the National League. You like that or you don't like it? Absolutely not. You know, (laughs) know, I'm a huge National League fan, and I can't stand that rule. But, you know, to all our listeners out there, who love baseball and are happy now that the matter has been settled and baseball will be back, let me just say to them, you're welcome. (laughs) Because, of course, they were listening this time last week when I just lit into Major League Baseball, the owners and the players, but especially the owners, about the impasse that was in place. And of no course, wonder. they got right to it, and, and they fixed it when they realized you lose, you lose Coach Joe, you lose America. <laughs> let me just let me just say that up front. But I, right, I what don't, about some of the other rule changes? Pitch clock. Oh God, I, I hope not. <laughs> I can't umpires just make make things go faster. That's coming though. I think it might not come this year, but it's going to come eventually because pitchers stand up there and they watch and they watch. But you got to make the hitter stay in the right, box, too. Right, exactly. I, yeah. I totally agree with you. And once he starts his windup, you can't call timeout. I think they should implement that as well. Um, how about shifts? I don't see anything wrong with shifts. You know, shifts can be beaten. Uh, it And what, what do you mean by a shift? You know, it's not unusual for – uh, teams to employ different types of defensive setups. The Cardinals were always great at this. They'd had a whole school for teaching their, their players how to adjust to certain batters and hitters and, and counts and what pitch is coming and all of that. So, uh, you know, if you're talking about you can only put so many people on one side of the base or the other, I, I don't know. I don't see anything wrong with the shift. I mean, I, if you're a hitter, I understand why you're frustrated because you want to be able to pull the ball and, and, and do all that. But but it seems to me that there's no real reason to outlaw a shift. Other uh, than putting more offense into the game, well, which he, they need to do. He, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is true that there's been less offense lately. But I think a, a lot of it is because of the things that, that – other things. I don't think the shift is what's taking away from, from too much offense. You know, you can beat a shift, and if you're a smart hitter and if you're a good hitter, uh, they're not going to be able to, to shift against you. But you know, it's a lot of these changes. 
not just about more offense. It's about more dollars in their pocket. That's what the designated hitter is about. Players like that because it's more money for uh, positional players who might otherwise not be a, have a place in the game. Pitchers are going to make their money still, whether they bat or not. Uh, and the uh, expanded postseason, you knew that was coming. That's something I talked about last week. That's where all the money is. And uh, the players are going to go ahead and go along with that if they could get some of these other things, including the DH, which the owners were, were fine with because, like you said, it's more offense. More offense, they believe, sells more tickets and gets higher ratings. That may or may not be true. Uh, I think it doesn't matter if there's a ton of offense if the game drags on for three and a half and four hours. Well, that's true. And one of, when, you know, one of the things you implied, and I think you were implying this, is that the shifts themselves are not so much what causes a lack of offense, but the mentality that, hey, chicks dig the long ball. So I'm swinging for the fences, and I'm not going to hit. If I'm a left-handed hitter, I'm not going to hit a single to left field when I can try to hit a home run to right field and pull the ball. So I, I think that might have something to do with What about decals on the uniforms, advertising on the uniforms? And you know, Japan's always done that, I think. Yeah, you know, they put decals on the uniforms all the time now, and, and it's in place in NBA basketball. It sort of came, and it's there, and it's done fairly subtly. You know, it's not like a NASCAR uniform or something like yeah. that where they're covered with them. So it should be able to be done fairly uh, easily. You know, Nike already has their brand all over everything. Yeah, I mean, the it's already been the on the things. shoes anyway. So, yeah, exactly. And so so there's not going to be a big change there. It, it, you wonder if it's going to be like soccer jerseys where the team crest is small, barely able to see, yeah. and what you see in huge letters is the advertiser. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you don't want to see that. You want you know, if I look at a Dodgers uniform, I want to see Dodgers across the front. If they have some small ad on a shoulder or something, I can live with that. But I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see the Chico's bail bonds. <laughs> yeah, Chico's <laughs> bail bonds, exactly. <laughs> You know, they don't want these to turn into Little League softball uniforms or anything like that. And, it, and and that's the thing about home runs, too. Home runs are wonderful. But if there's too many of them, you know, it's like Beer League softball where everybody just yeah, exactly. crushes it and well, scores 23 to 22. Nobody's going to want to see that. So you, you want to have a little bit more offense, but you don't want it to go over the top where well, the games are tough to watch. I don't think that'll happen because the pitchers are going to have something to do with that here. Whereas in softball, you know, a pitcher really doesn't have – any recourse, you've got to throw it up there, and and you can't really do anything about it. But on the decals, on the uniforms, the advertising, now who's going to get that revenue? Now, does that mean, <laughs> you know, if, if say, and I, I don't know if they do this in Major League Baseball. I don't think they do. I think the players get to decide what brand of cleats they wear, and they probably sign a contract with them. Now, <clears throat> what if – say Major League Baseball or the team has a hat contract with ERA or whoever's making the hats, and Joe Schmo wants to have a different kind of hat or put a different kind of ad on there, maybe something that conflicts with what the team wants to put on there. First of all, who's getting the revenue? I don't, I don't know that, the answer to that. Well, I'm sure they've worked that out because, uh, you know, they worked that out in the revenue sharing agreement that's part of the CBA. So more dollars for the owners means some more dollars for the players, too, and and that goes into all of that. Uh, so uh, with respect to things on the hat and, and other stuff like, like that, 
it, rem- it reminds me of how there was a controversy not that long ago. Players used to write little things yeah. on their hat, yeah. like a number and, and honor of a player or something like that. And, and you know, it's funny how Major League Baseball cracked down on something yeah. like that. Yeah. The NFL cracked down on the type of shoes you wear. They weren't making any money off of it. And, you know, not, not that money has anything to do with yeah, it. Yeah, but they're willing to put advertising patches on there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, this is a part that's frustrating for me is a lot of these changes that are being made are all about the dollars. And they settled this now because they reached the point of diminishing returns with the lockout. You know, they they could have settled this. The differences they had could have been settled weeks ago. And it's a real <laughs> disappointment that it came to this, but they knew they couldn't go any farther without losing people like me and a lot of other people who were going to write this season off. And so they, you, you knew yep. this was coming. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, this is Hal Whistle, coach of the 1981 Men's Basketball Division II NCAA National Champion, Florida Southern Moving Mocks. You are listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Allied Scrap Processors bring you the Ozone. With Ronnie O and Coach Joe, Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe are in the house. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. And Hal Whistle, he was coach of the 81 Moving Mocks. They were the NCAA Division II national champions. And uh, I think they had John Ebling on that team. And, boy, that was some ball club. That was their first national championship. They've since won another one. And, um, you know, that's – they have a great program over there. I love going to those games. You know, on this date back in two, or today, um, Ernie Ladd, one of the all-time greats, uh, Hall of Famer, with the uh, 63 AFL champion uh, San Diego Chargers. This guy was 6'9", 290, playing back in the AFL when guys weren't that big in uh, NFL football. But... He passed away in um, 2007, but you know one of the funny things, or I mean, I'm sorry, in '60, I got this all mixed up. 2007 is when he passed away. He was at the age of 68. Now, here's here's something I found out. His high school coach was a guy named William Ray Smith. You might have heard of William Ray Smith's son, Bubba. Bubba Smith was a high school football player in the state of Texas, and that's where his dad coached. And uh, back then, you know, they he went to Michigan State because they would sign black players. And he played for Duffy Darty, and uh, they had that famous game against uh, Notre Dame in 1966, which is one of the reasons why I don't like Notre Dame, is that Notre Dame tied the game. It was a 10-10 tie. It was the, the, the game of the century that year. <laughs> and uh, Notre Dame's quarterback got hurt. And had a guy named Coley O'Brien. They get the ball back with about a minute and a half left in the game, and they run the clock out. You know, that should they should have taken it away from them at that point to me, but they didn't. So, and Alabama was undefeated that year, undefeated, untied, and uh, Alabama claims that I think is a national championship, but they claim about 150 of them. <laughs> Yeah, back then the national title didn't really mean as much. I think they voted on it even right. prior to the bowl games, and uh, the bowl matchups were always done contractually, so teams would oftentimes never get a chance to even play each other. Right, and so uh, and it was all done by voting. 
So as flawed as the current system is and the fact that they still won't expand it uh, for at least a couple more years, it's still better than it was. So yes. I guess in that sense, if you want to have a national champion, I think we're better off than they were back e- then. Exactly. Well, the University of Georgia, as expected, fired Tom Crean, their head basketball coach. He had compiled a record of 47-75, and 15-58 and 58 in the SEC. And this year... They only lost 18 of their 19 SEC games, and then they only lost by 35 in the SEC championship game round or the SEC championship uh, tourney, and they lost by 35 to a, a mediocre Vanderbilt team. Yeah, Vanderbilt raced out to a 30-10 to 10 lead in that game and never looked back. Uh, similarly, Texas A&M raced out to a 26-10 to 10 lead over the Gators today, <laughs> and it looked like for the most of the game that it was going to stay that way, and then the Gators' ferocious comeback to get it to overtime. Uh, didn't work out in the overtime, though. Texas A&M wins in the final second. What, 83-80 on the last second three, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, there's a prayer to I just you know, and, and that brings up it. a point. Uh, a lot of my fraternity brothers, we have a text that we have going, and I'm the only one. I th- well, I think two of us thought that we should keep Mike White another year, and uh, you got a good recruiting class coming in, and, and this team really showed a lot of heart all year long, coming back from huge deficits and winning some of the games, but probably not winning as many games. I, I don't know really how talented this team was. It was hard to figure out. They were very inconsistent. So I know you've got some thoughts about Mike White. And one of my fraternity brothers compared him to Mark Richt. Um, nice guy, but not winning enough. Now, what's your thoughts on – do you keep him, you fire him, what do you do? I've I been thinking about this a, a lot lately, including last week. We talked about it with Adam on the show and Adam pointed out that the Gators have been sliding continuously year by year, uh, slowly farther back into the pack. And even though they'd been making the tournament and even winning the tournament, uh, they were under Mike White, they were deteriorating. And you are right. This team this year had incredible heart and togetherness and soul, and they would always fight back, and they would never quit in any circumstances, and a lot of that is coaching. And you're also right that this team wasn't as talented as it was a couple of years ago. Remember, they had Blackshear, they had Scotty Lewis. They were a top-five team at one point. And then COVID hit, and we never found out how good they could have been in the tournament. They would have had a chance to make a run. And then you had the Keontae Johnson a few months after that, go down and, and never has played since. And this is a guy that was a preseason SEC player of the year choice. So for that reason, I want to say to give Mike White another season. I, I, I am concerned. I always say well, it's time to change when you're going in the wrong direction and there's no turning back. And we're awfully close to that with Mike White. Yeah, you I know, agree. He was in the Elite Eight at first and great Players were coming through the program. Chioza, mentioned Scotty Lewis, Blackshear, Dodo, who had a big game winner for, for the Mavs the other night in the NBA. Uh, and that's Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, for those of you who aren't yeah. familiar with his nickname. Uh, so there's a lot that has come through. But what's happened lately? Players are flocking away from the program. And now the players we had left weren't quite as good. But I, I want to see... Now that we're past COVID, 
and we've adjusted now to the loss of Keontae Johnson. And we do have some promising young players who are returning. We're going to be losing a lot, but there's some promising young guys left. I want to see if, in fact, that we're stuck now in mediocrity with Mike White as, as an eighth or ninth seed in the SEC tournament. That, that's not going to cut it on a long-term basis. But I want to see, are, are we stuck there? We're not in free fall like we were with Mullen. Mike White is a good coach. It, the players love playing for him. They play hard. They defend. They re- represent themselves well. But they're getting worse. And t- too many programs are passing us. Alabama, Auburn have passed us now. We used to be right up there with probably Kentucky. Tennessee. Tennessee probably has. Now Texas A&M is going by us. Yeah. LSU, we should be keeping up with them for all the cheating and stuff that they do over there, but they're they're ahead of us right now. They did get a letter of in- investigation from the NCAA. Yeah. And but I, they don't do anything anymore. So. Right, but I, I didn't say that flippantly, you know, yeah. the, you know, like, oh, they cheat. But they really do have some issues there with that program. So, All right, we got somebody who wants to weigh in here. Daryl, how are you, man? Where have you been? Did we wake you I've up? I'm here. sorry. Well, you talk about coaches, and we're going to hear from Daryl. Did we wake you up? No. I will tell you this: the person that needs to be discharged is Coach Joe. Uh oh! Oh no! No. The first question I have for him is: Okay, who are you going to replace him with? No, he said keep him. I know. I heard. I heard the discussion. Let me tell you something. This the last three years have been a disaster for everybody. The athletic department cannot afford to fire him because they're already paying through the nose for a f- football coach who has yet to prove he can win. Right. Well, the, yeah, we're uh, now. I said to keep Mike White for another season to give to see if if this slide is going to continue or if there's a chance to turn it around. Okay. So then. Ronnie and I are on the same page. I I know I I heard you I heard you yapping about <laughs> you know sliding and all this kind of stuff. Well, they are the problem, they, they, the problem. They, they are though. I mean, they are. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to make a change, but they're going in the wrong direction right now. From where? From where they were five years ago. Yeah, they, they that that's when a Hall of Fame coach left. Right, and under Mike White, they've been they've gotten slowly. They've gotten a little bit worse each year. Well, he I, my understanding is. If you look at his statistics, if you look at his statistics overall, compared to other SEC coaches, yeah, his statistics are pretty good. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's Billy Donovan, but that's why I'm saying who are you going to replace him with? Well, and that's a valid point. You don't fire a guy unless you've got an agreement, and we all know how these things work. You know, say say Daryl knows the coach at Baylor or whomever. And I'm the athletic director at Florida, and I call you and say, hey, Daryl, call him and see if he's interested at, at this number. This is what we would offer him. So you call him, and the press says, hey, Ronnie Ocean, did um, did you contact Baylor's coach? No, I hadn't talked to him, which is true. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. I did call Daryl, and I know, I know what Daryl exactly, told me. It, it, you know, and that's exactly you, – you're exactly right from that standpoint. But this is starting to sound like Texas. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you've got to be careful. It's been years of mediocrity because they can't hold on to a coach for two reasons. Either, number one, either a situation where he doesn't produce, or if he does produce slightly or whatever, then they start looking around saying, you know what, if I have one bad season, I'm gone here. So they look for another job. 
When I White's been there, what seven years? About six or seven years. That's exactly right. I I think from a recruit, if he's got a good recruiting class coming in here, then that's a good sign because this this group here was a direct result. The portal just cleaned them out. I mean, they just yeah. and they lost two assistant coaches, and they lost players to the to the uh, NBA, and they lost players to the portal and everything else. They had a guy who who collapsed on the court who was a preseason SEC Player of the Year. Yeah. I mean, those are those are circumstances that are difficult to overcome under any circumstance. Don't disagree. Daryl, unfortunately, we're out of time. Thank you, as I'm always. I'm just getting started. Well, I'll tell you what, if you want to hold on through the break, we'll bring you back. I'll do it. Uh, you got it. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. All right, back to it. You are in the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7 brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. Let's do it, Ronnie O and Coach Joe. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. We've got our man Daryl on the line. Daryl, before we continue our discussion, how's my man Cody doing? Doing fine. Doing good. Yeah, he's, he's still at PDQ. If you go to PDQ, ask where he is. All right, we'll do that. Uh, he's always so entertaining. We go in there. He's such a sweet kid. Well, while I'm while I'm while you on him, I want to tell you right now, he's also got his own shredding business. Oh, really? Yes, sir. So if you know someone that wants papers, uh, confidential papers shredded or whatever, yep, give give us give us a call. You can those of you on the radio can call Ronnie, and Ronnie can get the information to me. But we can arrange for you to get your inf- get your stuff shredded. It's $10 a banker's box. All right. All right. Well, we need to well, keep that in mind. you know Eric's ears perked up when he heard about shredding important and confidential documents. Well, <laughs> I you thought know, it was a copying service. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you guys failed to give the Eric Clark Foundation credit for settling the baseball dispute. Well, you know, I think he dropped a couple billion in there, and they said, all right, all right. He stroked the check. Now his name won't appear on anything because that's not the way he functions. No, it's not. And you know he keeps denying the Learjet and the yachts. There, and... there is no jet. There is no yacht. See, uh, yeah, Eric and my friends at LPD were getting a little antsy about losing all these games at Joker Marchant. So that that looks like we will get most of them back. So we're looking <laughs> forward to that. <laughs> it's not my fault. The issue, the issue was this: Eric is into fantasy baseball big time. <laughs> so what was it going to take to get fantasy baseball back? Fantasy! <laughs> you know, we were getting real worried about Eric tonight. He had some spaghetti, and if you've ever seen this guy eat, he never leaves as much as a crumb, and he did not eat all of his dinner tonight. You know, I asked him if I could have some, and he kind of laughed like, you got to be kidding me. And, you know, he would sooner give me a dollar than he would give me any any of his dinner, but you want a dollar? <laughs> yeah, Eric, Eric makes you earn every dollar. Let me tell you. Well, that's, that's how that's how Eric got to the position he is in this world. Well, you're right. He's very careful with his finances, and he handles them very carefully. So anyway, but any back to the Gator situation or whatever. We do not want to become another Tennessee, or we do. Tennessee, by the way, hired the uh, coach that Texas fired. What yeah, that's do you think right. about that deal? That's right. Well, what do you think happens if Ole Miss 
fires their coach, and uh, Mike White played there, you think that he might be tempted to go there knowing the precarious situation he might be in at Florida? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I don't know what the, the situation – again, Ole Miss is one of those situations. There's been a lot of injuries there, I understand. There's been a kind of crazy year or whatever. So, you know, maybe they will fire somebody. Heck, you know what? If you're talking about a downward slide, let's take a look at Kevin O'Sullivan up there. My gosh, he hadn't won a national championship in a couple of years. <laughs> He's going in the wrong direction. Let's, let's, let's can that sucker. I don't think the Gators are going in the wrong direction. When COVID hit, I think they were the number one team in the country. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 they had their whole season taken away Miami. from them. Yeah, they, they look just fine. But, anyway, but no, I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying overall, you have to look at the situation and realize what's going on. Um, you know, Ronnie brings up a very excellent point. You start yapping up there about this or that or whatever, and, you know, a coach like Mike White, who I think – uh, as an as a as a X's and O's coach is as good as there is out there. I agree. He is as good as there is out there, and and what they need to do is sit down. First of all, he's got two brand new assistants this year, and so they went to the portal to try to to try to cobble a team together. Is what they did, and and that's hard to do. But if those assistants are good recruiters, because he just lost two assistants that moved on, so. Somebody must have thought they were pretty good assistants because they moved into uh, into head coaching positions, I believe, both of them. So, you know, if these two guys can recruit, because that's what assistant coaches do. Yeah, you're exactly Assistant coaches are recruiters. That's what they do. No doubt. And so if they got two guys that can recruit, then he'll be fine. He'll be fine. That's my opinion. But the key issue always, if you're talking about firing somebody – well, who are you going to replace him? Right, you're exactly right. Well, we know where Daryl stands. Six eight two fourteen thirty. The question of the evening is: uh, What about Mike White? What do you think of him? How he's doing? Uh, should he stay? Will he go? Uh, and what the status of the Gators basketball now, having lost today to Texas A&M in the second round of the SEC tournament, uh, a game that they were outplayed for a long time, but still managed to send it into overtime through sheer force of will before uh, succumbing in really gut-wrenching circumstances. But now that they're definitely not going to get the invite to the NCAA, probably uh, if the NIT still exists, they'll get invited to that. <laughs> and uh, so they'll get a chance to at least play a little bit more. This was not, this was not their year. This was not their year. I, I, I totally understand that. If you think they're bad, why don't you go talk to somebody in Athens, Georgia? You talk about people that are frustrated. No, you got that right. We were just talking about that. Tom Crean lost 18 of his 19 SEC games this year. He's 47-75 overall and 15-58 and in the SEC. And the question has to be, why was he allowed to stay so long? Well, let me – here's the trivia question. It, it, you should be able to answer this, you guys, if you're in, on, in sports. Okay, Tom Crean has some – he has an in in the sports world. He has an in in the sports world. And it comes through his family. Can you tell me what that in is? He's married to somebody's daughter. I can't remember who it is. Jim Harbaugh's dad. Jim Harbaugh's sister is married Sister, to okay. So okay. Jim and John Harbaugh are in the same family at Thanksgiving that Tom Crean is. Now, the question is, are they talking basketball at Thanksgiving or are they talking football? Well, I would think that uh, Crean would would not have to buy 
on Thanksgiving, given the paychecks the uh, the Harbaugh brothers pull in. Although he's not going to go hungry, I don't think. Might as well talk about football because uh, Michigan basketball loses today in the Big Ten tournament to Indiana. So there's, <laughs> oh, there's not, another not, coach. Not a lot of good news there's there either. A, there's another coach that needs to go. That's right. Well, Crean was at Indiana, wasn't he? He was at he Indiana. Was, yeah. Yes. yeah, he was trying to rebuild a program at Indiana. I think he came in after Kelvin Sampson pretty much torched the whole place, didn't he? I think he came in after him. Yeah, he? Sampson has done a great job at Houston. They haven't caught him in anything yet. That's like what's his name at Auburn? Oh, Bruce <laughs> Pearl. Yeah, that he's wearing he's wearing orange. As I tell my son, who's an Auburn graduate, he should be wearing an orange jumpsuit. What he should be? Yeah, doing. exactly. But you know, I mean, that's been the history of Auburn. You look back, okay? You know, the, the stadium's called Jordan Hare after Suge Jordan. Suge Jordan won the national championship in 1957 while Auburn was on probation because he had been buying players and got caught. Then they get Pat Dye in there. They fire him for cheating. And then they name the field after him, and they give him an office there. And then they bring in Bruce Pearl. And if you remember Tuberville Gate or whatever you want mm-hmm. to call that, you know, Tuberville had done pretty well there, and they actually went undefeated one year under him. And – They've got boosters on a plane trying to hire Bobby Patino. Yeah, it's it's that place, and and you and of course the problem with Suge Jordan is he wasn't Bear Bryant because if it been Bear Bryant he wouldn't have gotten caught paying players. Yeah, well you got that right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well Darryl, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Maybe there's someone else that wants to call in and and dispute my undisputable facts. <laughs> As always, Daryl, we appreciate you calling in and uh, give Cody a big hug for me. I'll do it. See you later. All right. That's our man, Daryl. Who's uh, Mike White's agent, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the things that Daryl pointed out are the same things you and I were pointing out as well, uh, that the circumstances under which Mike White has uh, operated over the last couple of seasons, and it was just a couple of years ago they were a very highly ranked team, and they have been making the tournament until this year. Uh, however, having said that, he is in trouble for reasons that are, are quite apparent as well. And uh, it's not – now, I'm one who always believes you get rid of a coach when you have to, not because you, you know, think there might – or if, like you said, there's somebody out there that you really want, then you go out and get that person. Uh, but but there's nothing wrong with Mike White as a coach per se, but the, the trend – is downward right now and as long as that's going on he has he's in a bit of trouble should he stay this year if it were up to me i'd say at least one more season because of the unique circumstances of the last couple of seasons what's unanimous i say the same thing yeah. daryl said the same thing but he is in he is in trouble <laughs> yeah. and and something could happen if he doesn't choose to leave on his own you know old miss might throw a lot of money at him and then the gators will have to make a choice do we match that or do we go ahead and let him go, yeah. which is a, a, an issue as well. And it is a good question is, if they did let him go, would they end up better off or not? You know, with, with And like you said, they've got a promising recruiting class coming in. So that alone would be a reason to give him another season to see how it goes because they're not in the free fall that, that the Gators were under Dan Mullen. It's not that dire a situation. Even Adam said that last week. Uh, it's they're still a decent team. It's just they're trending towards mediocrity right now, and that that's not good. Well, and we have to realize who we are. 
you know, we're not Duke, we're not North Carolina. I mean, that might, I don't know, potentially we might be something like that, but we've just not been able to sustain the consistent winning, you know, that some of those programs have had. Now, you know, you talk about North Carolina and, you know, you look at the the things that were going on there where you had, you know, a, the uh, academic side of the university actually helping to um, keep guys eligible with, you know, fake tests and stuff like that. And we don't want to be like that, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be that necessarily, but you should be uh, a contender in the SEC every season. And we have fallen a, a good cut below several teams now. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. We come back. If you're hungry and thirsty, this is the place you want to be because we'll have that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Joe Bellino, the 1960 Heisman Trophy winner from the United States Naval Academy. And you are listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Hey, we got Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone, and we know you're hungry and thirsty. The stomachs are growling. The fingers are itching. You're thirsting to get out to the alehouse and eat $30 worth on Eric Clark. He is funding this, the Eric Clark Foundation, our local billionaire. When did this happen? (laughs) No, actually, it's on the alehouse. They're located at 5650 South Florida Avenue, and they've got over 40 strategically located television sets. They have drinking meal specials every night of the week, and I'm telling you, they got one of the best hamburgers in all of Lakeland, not to mention, man, their wings are good. Everything's good out there. Yeah, I for my birthday, I went out there and treated myself to a steak. Uh, it was a Tuesday afternoon, so they had uh, a soccer game on. Liverpool was playing, and then they had the first round of the ACC tournament. They set up both both of those games right in front of me, big, two, right. big screens on both of them. I had they a great always time. do that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. All right. Coach Joe came up with this one. Pretty easy, but that's what we do. We're not trying to stump you. We want to send somebody out to the alehouse so you can enjoy what he and I enjoy many times out there at the alehouse. And the question is, who was last year's NCAA men's basketball champions. Was it A, was it North Carolina? Was it B, Duke? Was it C, Baylor? Or D, Gonzaga? Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And you could be going out to Miller's Lakeland Alehouse if you haven't won in the last six months. So give us a call, 682-1430. Just tell us who the NCAA basketball champions were last year, and we will send you out to Miller's Lakeland Alehouse, armed and dangerous, with that $30 gift certificate. Well, on this date in 1888, I was just in junior high school back then, the Boston Strong Boy, heavyweight boxing champion John L. Sullivan, draws with Charlie Mitchell after 30 rounds. Now, you talk about demanding Back then, a round consisted of two guys standing toe-to-toe, swinging at each other with all their might until somebody got knocked down. And that's when what constituted a round. John L. Sullivan was 38-1 and in his career. He was the last bare-knuckle fighter to win the championship. And then he was the first champion to win with gloves. 
All right. We got somebody that's hungry and thirsty. Robert, how are you tonight? I'm good. And my office is not far from that alehouse. So, so <laughs> I'm going to take a shot. I thought it was going to be Gonzaga, but it was Baylor that won. The Baylor Bears. You're yeah, right. Yeah, I thought Gonzaga was going to win last year, too. But Baylor was just men among boys, weren't they? They were. Oh, they were so good. They played the and Gators, what was it, a year before? Fan. Are you? Yeah, I went to school there. Got three degrees from Louisville. Love the school. We just, the past couple of years, we've, we haven't been very good. Yeah, I think they've been knocked out of the ACC tournament, or are they still alive? They played a night. No, they got beat. They lost to Virginia by one point last night. That's right. They're, they've got a losing record. They don't deserve to be in a tournament. So, finding a new coach, that's our first job. You, you got any yeah. idea who they might be after? Well, Kenny Payne was high on the list. He was an assistant at UK. Ooh, and Louisville would hire a UK assistant? Well, Kenny played ball at Louisville, I believe, and uh, I think he's in the he's an assistant in the NBA right now. Oh, okay. But they need that would be nice to recruit against Kentucky, and the fact that he's got some NBA uh, connections. Louisville's recruiting's been hurting ever since Patino goofed up. Yeah, and uh, it's a shame he's allowed to coach in the NCAA. And they took our 2013 title away. Yeah, I agree. That's that's not right. You know, when, when he's saying that you had a, an assistant coach, I think he was making $35,000 or something, and he's paying $10,000 mm-hmm. for players to um, go with some ladies of the night. That, that's wrong. You know he can't afford that. I mean, you see what's going on. Coaches know. I just I think yeah. the way that that kind of stuff usually works is – the head coach says, look, I want plausible deniability for myself. If you get caught, you're on your own. And, you know, you go do what you got to do. We need Tommy or Joe or whoever it is, you go get them. Do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. It's a big, uh, yeah. big setback for Louisville when all that broke and you're yeah. still trying to recover from it. Yeah, it just hadn't been the same. And the, the last coach, he was a, a good coach. I think he was at Xavier. But, oh, I know the other coach they're looking at, they're hoping he might come over is the fellow that I think is coaching UCLA right now. And it's a question of would he leave UCLA to come to Louisville? I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I know who you're talking about. But Um, if you want to talk about Lamar Jackson – you could have me on the show for the rest of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> I love that kid. Mick Cronin. Oh, Mick Cronin yeah, is who Mick, we're trying to think of. Yeah. Cronin, the coach at Cincinnati, he was probably their second choice when they hired the last guy that looks like Senator Rick Scott, but I can't think of his name right now. <laughs> well, oh, I know who that guy is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, if you'll hang on the line, Eric will get your information and um, we'll send you out. Sure. And uh, maybe you can get um, some of those former Louisville Cardinals to come on the show with us. We'll, we'll be waiting for Lamar Jackson to call us. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to him. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah All see right. you at the Thank Alehouse. So March Madness is All right, coming. hang on the line so Eric can get your information, okay? All right. Hey, hey, for our loyal listeners out there, 
Uh, you might now that our show's ending, you might want to turn to ESPNU. One minute to go. USF and UCF are tied at 56. And after that game, also on ESPNU, will be the American Conference Women's Championship between USF and UCF. <laughs> so a lot of good, still a lot of good uh, local college basketball action around here. Oh man, oh man, I tell you what. Oh, back in 1957, Kingsport Steve Dalkowski, reputed to be one of, one of the hardest throwers in Major League Baseball, struck out 24 and walked 18. <laughs>